4: Welcome to the Sooner Sports
5: Podcast, presented by Riverwind and Allstate. Now here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome to the Sooner Sports Podcast. This is the Huddle. Now, with the big game against Alabama coming up for hoops today, I didn't want the AT&T Sooner Sports Talk Show being incredibly too long to download, so you can hear Coach Krueger and Coach Cole breaking down their huge matchups this weekend. OU Alabama, eleven a.m. this morning. Oklahoma Kansas State on the women's side tomorrow. So. I wanted to make sure that that had its own platform and we had some time today to bring you some football talk, especially since we have some stuff from Jim Nagy, courtesy of Teddy and Gabe and their podcast. And obviously it comes on the heels of Trey Brown being named the top defensive back on the American team and a vote from the wide receivers group at practice for player of the week award ceremonies, which were handed out last night for the Reese's senior bowl. So I wanted to share some of that before we got into the huddle. So, Welcome to a, a, a football Saturday, if you will, on a day when there's a monster basketball game. So let's go. Jim Maggie was on with Teddy and Gabe. Their podcast is called the Oklahoma Breakdown. Gabe was kind enough to share these with us. You can hear the full interview right now by simply downloading their podcast. And they talked about all the Oklahoma guys and expectations. And uh, we'll start with Trey Brown, who had a big week, but obviously has something going for him. And that's speed
6: yeah speed is a big deal at corner like i said it's not as big a deal at running back speed is a big deal at corner um teams place a premium on that and trades one of the fastest corners in this draft so uh again a lot a lot of times those nickelish guys are are quicker than fast and, and trades one of the unique guys that's quick and really fast so um yeah he's going to help himself again when you have an overwhelming trait whether it's size or speed we always talk about it in scouting that you feel it when you're in person. Like when, when people see Najee Harris walk up on him, like he looks big on tape. They know Najee's a big back. But when they see a guy like Najee or Ramondre, they're going to be like, whoa, this dude, is, this dude is big. We're not, you know, nobody's going to want to tackle this guy. And same thing with Trey. When they see him run for, at field level – they're going to feel that speed, so that that's going to help Trey a lot.
5: Sticking on the defensive side of the football, Jim Nagy, who is the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, broke down Trey Norwood and kind of the unexpected nature of his availability for the Senior Bowl, and then of course the, I guess you could say, challenge of being able to find out, okay, where's he going to play, what position?
6: Yeah, Trey's a Trey's a cool player, and he really fell in our fell into our laps late. We we've worked really hard to identify these juniors just so we're ready. You know, like we built the board out. You can't get to January with inviting 120 seniors and then have all these juniors come out and be like, well, what do we do? We don't have spots open. So um, so we had a bunch of guys accounted for. Trey was not one of them. We did not know he was going to graduate. Um, and frankly, we didn't know he was going to come out. So when he did come out and declare, um, you know, got hit up by an agent. I'm like, well, let me, let me get to work. So we, we put on the tape. He's a super instinctive player. And, and you talk about position versatility. Yes, he's going to be down here playing nickel. He's going to be playing free safety Um, because to me that's what he is there's kind of a trend right now in the league of going to that going to that tweener nickel safety type player he reminds me a lot of a guy Mike Edwards from Kentucky who he had the game a couple years ago went in the fourth round and now uh, he'll be playing this weekend he's the the starting nickel for the Buccaneers and uh, Trey's got great eyes he really anticipates he's got great ball skills as we saw this year he can really finish when he's in position and, uh, yeah, he'll be cross-training at both those two spots.
5: Shifting from the defense to the offensive side of the football, I expect Ramondre Stevenson to have a big day. He's already had a big week. And guess, guess where his biggest skill set has shined? Pass blocking, receiving out of the backfield. Nagy talked a little bit about Ramondre and where you could see him end up flourishing in the National Football League because there is something that – and I'm an NFL draft dork. People go crazy about top-end speed and, and speed at the running back position. Jim Nagy's not a big believer in it.
6: Yeah. Um, top end speed is the most overrated trait for a running back. Thank I'll, you. I'll, I'll start it with that. It's about short bursts, not top end speed. Very rarely at the NFL level do you see guys ripping off 50, 60 yard runs. You know, the, the NFL game is, is built on that guy that can get the, the 10 to 20 yard run consistently. Um, and Ramondre can do that. He, he is a really cool player. Uh, We saw it the second half of this year when he, when he came back and what he was able to do 240 pound guys with those kind of feet. uh, I'll use an old Belichick term. They don't grow on trees. So uh, he is, he's exactly what the NFL is looking for. He can catch the ball out of the backfield and uh, yeah, he's, he's just, he's a really cool player. I'm glad we got him. And again, you can't begrudge a, a running back. I know he did get that extra year of eligibility, which all the players got this year, but, for a running back. I mean, it's a short shelf life. The NFL has kind of devalued that position. So um, to me, you got to kind of strike while the iron's hot. He had such a good year at Oklahoma that I think it was the right time for him to come out.
5: Meanwhile, Adrian Ely is a prime prospect here because, well, he's big, he's strong and he's had great coaching.
6: Yeah. You talked about his coaching and you nailed it. Bill does a great job. And I spoke to Bill over the summer about Creed. Um, He mentioned Adrian and, uh, I'll say this, Adrian did make a big jump this year from sophomore to junior tape. When I looked at him over the summer, uh, he he was a guy that to me just, you know, wasn't a guy that was ready to be an early, uh, quote unquote, early out guy. Um, You know, he he looked like a guy that should go back to school. Well, he did make a a good enough jump this year where it made sense for him to do it. Like you said, tackle is a premium position right now. He's a mountain of a man. He's got nice feet for a guy that size and mobility. Um, do I think his best football is ahead of him? Absolutely. Had he gone back to Oklahoma? Do I think he could have maybe helped himself? Absolutely. Um, but I also understand the, the player's perspective on that as well. Again, for these guys, like we talked about, the players had a, had a tough year. I don't think people realize how hard it was. Some of these kids are just worn out at this point, right? Like just going through COVID and the yo-yoing nature of the season, um, just the instability. Some of these guys are just mentally done, as, as a lot of people are in all walks of life. I think no a lot kidding. of us are just mentally done with the, with what we're going through. So, so no, Adrian. Again, you look at our tackle class. We really put an emphasis on bringing tackles down here. And if we got to pinch them in there at guard for the week, that's fine. We just want to bring the best football players because the tackles are the harder guys to find. You know, we we talk to the you know buddies in the league all the time, and they're like, bring as many tackles as you can. So. Um, and that's what we're doing. That's that's what we're doing with this class. And, and and again, Adrian's got a chance to to really make a nice jump this week.
5: And let's wrap things up by talking about the five Sooners who are at the Senior Bowl by talking about Creed Humphrey, who is getting set to showcase himself not only at center, but at several other positions on the offensive line too.
6: We had that talk this morning with the Panther staff, and I said, uh, you know, you know, we got a call this afternoon with the Dolphins. I want all these players to show some versatility, right? Like there's probably part of the league thinks that that uh, Creed is a center only. And uh, and that's okay if you're going to be a starter, which Creed's going to be. It's those backup guys where you're worried about the position flex. You can't have like a one position backup in, in on a 53-man roster. It's difficult, as you know. Um, so, yeah, but Creed's a really – I mean – Everyone, all the o, OU fans know what Creed is. I mean, he's been a great player there. He's super instinctive. He's super tough. He loved the wrestling background. Um, he's, someone's going to draft him to be their starter next year. I mean, he projects as a year one starter. Where that gets picked, I mean, that's where Creed can come down and really help himself, right? Um, but again, he's, he's going to be a rookie starter for somebody. So just a really solid player. The makeup, you know, checks out. He's off the charts and all the intangibles, football, football character stuff. So, you know, he checks all those boxes. Now it's getting him down here and letting him be around these teams. And, and, and really those guys benefit a ton. You know, they spent, they spent a week with the teams. They're going to want that guy on their football team.
5: So one 30 this afternoon in mobile, Alabama on the NFL network. You can watch Sooners like Trey Brown, Trey Norwood, Ramondre Stevenson, Adrian Ely and Creed Humphrey do what they can to try to make an impact. For the NFL scouts. But again, I think we've talked about this a lot on this show. A majority of that impact is already made because it's all about practice at the senior Bowl. All right, it is a huddle. That means Teddy and Toby are here to break everything down for you on the Sooner Sports Podcast.
2: All right, hi everybody. Welcome to Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. On a Thursday night, it is time to talk Sooner Sports. We got two hours of OU coming your way. In the next hour, it's all hoops. Lon Kruger and Sherry Cole both coming off some big wins in the midweek. Lon's team on a serious roll right now, so we're talking basketball, but this first hour, we're talking Sooner football. And please help me welcome the Butkus Award winner, my radio partner on the Sooner Radio Network, Teddy Lehman, everybody. T. how we doing? I'm great. How are you, bud? Fantastic. Happy to be here. Good to see you again. And we got lots to talk about today. Our opening segment brought to you, as always, by McIntyre Law, the law firm you should turn to for all of your personal injury news. And right off the top, we've got a non-conference schedule now in place for next season. It was officially announced this week. We know at least how the first three games of the season, and I would expect here in the not-too-distant future, we'll get the Big 12 schedule for Oklahoma, but the non-con slate is set. And it looks like this. The Sooners are going to start on the road. We're going to be down in Nolens, Ooh. Teddy, against the Tulane Green Wave, then back home against Western Carolina, and Nebraska will be week three. And we'll talk more about that in a second. But uh, first off, what about, what about the opener down there against Tulane?
7: I'd like to issue a request. I don't know who this goes out to, if it's uh, Joe Castiglione or Tulane Athletic Director. Well, it's climate related. Can we move this thing into the air conditioning? (laughs) Because I got to tell you, September 4th down in New Orleans is going to be swampy.
2: I should have known that's where your mind would. I was excited we are going to be playing in a stadium we haven't seen before. We're going to be on campus at Tulane instead of in the Superdome. And I didn't even think... You know, you're going to be hot. I'm sorry. Toby, I forgot about that.
7: You know me well enough to know, I know. if there's a way right. to complain about something, I will figure it out. I'm going to be able to figure I'm, it out.
2: I'm just excited about Friday night in New Orleans, finding some gumbo or jambalaya or something. Hey,
7: like that. I'm down with that. I, I love this. I really think it's a, a fun trip. Hopefully, you know, it, it's, it's going to be available for a bunch of Sooner fans to go down there and not have to put up with L- LSU fans when we're down in New Orleans Ooh, a little bit call. better. Right.
2: Yeah. There might be a red wave uh, move in down there to take (laughs) on the green wave. That stadium seats about 30,000. They had a pretty decent team this year, too. That'll be a fun game. Western Carolina, that's the catamounts. Oklahoma has never played Western Carolina, an FCS team. That'll be back here in Norman, the home opener. But the one that jumped off the page to everybody, of course, is the renewal of one of the great rivalries in college football history, Nebraska coming to town to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the game of the century, the Big Reds reunited.
7: It's going to be awesome. You know, it, nostalgic for sure. I, I don't know. I mean, maybe uniforms. Some I have no idea, but uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, I know whenever we set this thing up, we were hoping that, you know, we'd have two really good football teams. So I hope Nebraska has a bounce back year. They've been struggling. It's been tough up there for Scott Frost, but. It's awesome. I mean, it's a cool uniform contest Fantastic. between two of the classics. Uh, you know, good memories, obviously, for me personally, playing against Nebraska. Uh, won one, lost one against them. But it's a great fan base. It's a, it's a proud program with a really good tradition of, of excellence. So, hopefully we, well, hopefully we win the game. But I'd like to see a good Nebraska team come down here and bring a, a decent fan base with them.
2: The game you beat them. One of the epic games in uh, Sooner football history. So, this is crazy. you've got some good memories against them on Owen Field back in 2000 for sure. I just remember growing up here in the state and Thanksgiving weekend. You would see that block in and the interlocking OU squared off against each other at the line. And it always was to decide who's going to the Orange Bowl and who's in the national championship. Barry Switzer and Tom Osborne. So it's going to be great to have them back in town. And then we're going to go up to their place, I guess, uh, next year. But of course, like I said, it'll be the 50th anniversary here in 2021 of that game back in 1971. At the time, the most watched college football game in the sports history. 55 million people tuned in to watch the broadcast in 1971 of the OU Nebraska game, on the TV call that day, Chris Shankel, one of the Hall of Famers, his color analyst, Bud Wilkinson. Wow. Very cool, in the booth. And another broadcasting legend, we found a piece that was put together many years ago. We dusted off the Sooner Vision vault. We didn't. Some smarter people than us (laughs) did. And they found a piece done by Jack Ogle. Kelly Ogle, Kevin Ogle's dad, a legendary OU broadcaster in years gone by as he took a look back at that epic game in
3: 1971. Enjoy this. It all came down to this, all the months and the miles. Scaling the peak had been tough. For Nebraska, staying there had been tough. But now was the hour. There was room for only one. Injured Glenn King won the toss for OU and the Sooners elected to take the win. And then the drama began. It was dotted with irony. The team which wasn't supposed to be explosive was. Nebraska's Johnny Rogers broke for 72 yards and a touchdown. Then the game's quickest offense slugged it out through the line until it piled up enough downs to kick a field goal. 7-3. That four-point separation was foreshadowing. It was to haunt OU throughout the day. Two plays before the end of the first quarter, Pruitt fumbled. It took Nebraska only 12 tries to muscle it in. 14 to three. A lesser playwright would have closed his script there, but OU wrote another chapter, going 80 yards in 13 plays. The wishbone was outflanked, so Mildren took it through the middle. 14 to 10. Then, with 33 seconds left before the close of the first half, the novelist's pen dipped again. Not since the ferals of Pauline have so many hearts thundered to a stop. Mildred to Harrison, twice. The locker room steamed open to a 17-14 football game. The Sooners were ahead, and it felt good. Something happened at halftime. Maybe the hot towels turned it around. The script was rewritten. OU came roaring out, but the ball was fumbled away, and Nebraska moved in from their own 47. Six plays. The Sooners were behind again, 21-17. to After the next series, OU had to punt their dream away. It turned into a nightmare. Again, Nebraska. 61 yards. Nine plays. 28-17. to but Oklahoma was born of stronger stuff and it showed on the field. Down again by 11 points, the Big Reds scampered 73 yards in seven plays. Harrison set it up with a throw to Chandler. Mildred finished it, 28-24. Then the team that hardly ever made a mistake did. It was in the script. And again, OU finished the chapter in the end zone, going 69 yards in 12 plays. Jack Mildred sailed the last autographed copy to John Harris. The Sooners led the Cardiac Bowl 31-28, but there was an epilogue, a final bitter slash of the novelist's pen. It was written painfully, slowly, and co-authored on a couple of third-down plays. Halfback Jeff Kinney had only rushed for 20 yards in the first half, but in these last-ditch drives, he pinned another 157. It was his second effort that closed the book, and it was Jerry Tagge's second effort that put it on the shelf. Time ran out. The dream ran out, and OU slipped from the mountain. The Sooners had scored three more first downs in Nebraska, they had 105 more yards. They outpassed them three to one. It had been a supreme effort. The men would become footnotes to greatness. It is difficult to make a man miserable when he is worthy of himself, but this afternoon the Sooners felt miserable. The statistics said, oh, OU, But people don't ask for facts at moments like this. They would have traded it all for one good, soul-satisfying emotion. It wasn't to be.
2: I mean, (laughs) I could eat that whole thing up. That's delicious. Uh, What a look back. Jack Mildren, Johnny Rogers, Greg Pruitt, Jeff Kinney. The game of the century, 1971, voiced by Jack Ogle. Just tremendous. There you see. There's the schedule right there. At Tulane, Western Carolina. And Nebraska,
7: that was cool. I mean, that was that was that was something. I mean, there's so much stuff from that clip that stuck out. I mean, the the stadium, obviously, and the changes. Yeah. Um, I think it's awesome and weird that OU was on the other sideline. I'm, I'm always uh-huh. kind of uh, uh, you know that's strange to look at. I
2: think it was wasn't it Bob that moved him to the press box? That may be
7: right. I don't know, uh, but it it's it's really interesting and. Did I catch a Nebraska quarterback trying to go behind the back? What was that?
2: <laughs> they call that the Jalen Hurts play, wow. I believe is what they did. I
7: mean, that was cool. That was, that was awesome. Uh,
2: Jack Mildren airing it out a little yeah. bit uh, down there. Great game. So the 50th anniversary, we will celebrate that this season. We'll take a break here on the huddle. When we come back, several Sooners, five of them actually, down at the Senior Bowl right now. We'll take a look at how they're doing. You're watching the huddle. We'll be right back.
4: The Huddle is brought to you by Rudy's, bringing you the best in barbecue. Academy Sports and Outdoors, the preferred sporting goods retailer of Sooner Sports. Anheuser-Busch, whenever there's a game to watch, there's a Bud Light there. Sport Clips, it's good to be a guy. Riverwind, still the one.
2: Welcome back to Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. This is the huddle coming up in a couple of segments in layman's terms tonight. We're looking at the GT counter, which we'll explain if you don't know what that is. But it has been pivotal for the OU offense the last few years under Lincoln Riley. We're talking defense, though. This segment presented by Pike Pass, the fastest, safest, most efficient way to travel. Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas. Hey, Sooners, don't get passed. Get Pike Pass. Alex Grinch has done a tremendous job in his two years as DC at OU. Jessica Cootie takes a look.
8: right now huh? how about that defense
1: once the season ended how much did you reflect back on the first season and how did you reflect on season number one
8: well, you know, immediately when it's over, that process begins. And, and obviously, when you the season ends in the manner in which it did, on the stage in which it did, it provokes you to look at everything. You, you say, okay, what, what has been accomplished? And it's really important that, that uh, is at the forefront uh, because so much was. But at the same token, you say, okay, uh, through the lens of, but it wasn't good enough. And so then you start diving into what, what can you do to, to be better, Moving forward and looking back on it, you know, I, I would make the claim that we made progress. It was good enough to be Big 12 champions for, for a fifth straight year, but we were not able to, to produce a national championship caliber defense in year one, and so the process continues.
5: Next
1: round! Bring out take- Defense. Why did you fall in love with the defensive side of football?
8: You know, it it, uh, it fits me, and, and I guess I never really realized why. And, and, you know, I say this, though, so I say this to our players as well is, you know, we, we play the same sport, but it's a different game offense and defense it just is you know and I always use the example of the offense has a bad play at second and ten if a defense has a bad play it could be seven points you know just one play you know just the the, the stakes are so high and for for whatever reason I guess it it, it fits my approach I, I like that aspect of things Listen now.
5: Here's
1: Why is that? Why is that you?
8: You know, I, and, and, and maybe I'm a negative man. No, I, <laughs> it, it, uh, I think just the, the the stakes being so high. I think maybe just the, the level of adversity that finds its way on defenses in every level. You know, you either believe in adversity or you don't. You either believe that the heart is going to make you better and, and, and somehow finding your way through is, is going to give you a chance to, to ultimately be most successful. And so uh, I think maybe that adversity aspect of things and kind of knowing that it's even, even even when on that successful play, it's always around the corner kind of lurking.
1: How do you balance that, the overcoming the adversity but not getting too down on yourself when that adversity does come?
8: Well, and it's one thing we talk about. The, we know we come up with themes every week from a motivational standpoint. But the one thing I always tell, tell the guys on Friday night: the only thing promised to us on a Saturday game day is adversity. That's the only thing we know, we, we don't know have, have any idea of what else is going to come necessarily. They have ideas, but the one thing that we're sure of uh, uh, is adversity. And I, I think part of that is, is is the idea of you know leaning into the sharp edges when it when it's cutting you. You know, you can make a decision whether you want to back away or you want to lean into that, that that sharp edge. And I just think it creates a mentality and a mindset. I think also. Two, is as you say, OK, if it's, if it's expected, then you know you, you can really make a decision at that point. And that decision is whether or not you're going to take ownership in the ultimate re- response that you have or if you're going to throw your hands up and just hope for the best. And so we, we take the approach that that outcomes are in our control. We say it all the time. We're in more control than we sometimes give ourselves credit for as a defense. And so we, we really try to instill that into our players.
1: So now going into year two, we talked about, you know, you wasn't good enough. Last year, but how do you go into this year, go into year two with those goals and setting those expectations for this defense?
8: Well, I, I think part of it is the expectations at Oklahoma, you know, and, and and I've said this before: you don't go to Oklahoma telling them uh, what your expectations are. Oklahoma tells you what the expectation is, and it's to be elite. And so, you know, obviously challenges uh, you know present themselves every single day, and that that uh, is, is part of this this year. Um, and so that that obviously continues. But you no, know, the expectations are really high, and it, it's it's something that we signed up for by, by being Oklahoma Sooners. And I do try to remind our staff on the defensive side of the ball often, as well as our players, that we don't just get a chance to coach football. We get to coach football at, at one of the elite institutions in the United States of America, you know, and then uh, to the point, of, if I ever have another job, it won't be as good as this one. And so that that you better bring that energy and appreciate where you're at. And it's the same thing with these players. They, they signed up to be Oklahoma Sooners. They should walk that way. They should walk tall. They should walk proud. They should act that way. They should have an excitement level every single day they walk on the practice field no one made them be here and then you only get an opportunity for so long to be one
5: we've
8: heard a lot of stuff around here the last several years okay a lot of stuff and I can't tell you how proud I am of our defensive coaches our defensive staff and every defensive player in here love the way we're playing right
4: now
2: it has been impressive and here's a look at the improvement over the last couple of years you see that rush ranked uh, rushing defense ranked in the top 10 this season they were third in the country in interceptions top 10 in sacks per game teddy i know you've loved what you've seen
7: yeah and it's it's amazing to look at those rankings in 18 and how good they did in 19 you heard alex grinch there say yeah but it's not good enough i can tell you exactly what he's saying right now with those uh, top 10 rankings it's not good enough and that's what I love about him and love about this group is it's it's a full court press every single day in that office on these players to get better, to get better personnel, to get bigger, faster, stronger in the off season, to have a better understanding as, of what they do, you know, within that defense, you know, just to, you know, just for the coaches to get an understanding of the conference and the schedule and who you're playing. So I love it. I love what they've done. And what's great is we're seeing some of these players develop. I mean, there's some holdovers from before that are playing great football that maybe we didn't expect. And there's some young, new kids out there that are playing great football that we hoped for. So it's a lot of fun right now. We we are in a really good spot. You know, you talk about the defensive line. I'm watching these guys. I don't know how they're going to play all the guys that they have. We used to talk about how, you know, gosh, the cupboard's bare. Well, now I don't know how they're going to play the guys that they
2: got. What a tremendous problem. I know. It's yeah.
7: amazing. Inside backer. I think we're good at inside backer, but I can't tell you who's going to start next year. You know, I mean, th- that's how competitive the, these rooms have become. And it's because of development. It's because of recruiting. So I just, I just love where we're at right now defensively. But just like Grinch said, not good enough.
2: They lose Ronnie Perkins to the draft, Trey Brown, Trey Norwood. But I heard you say on your radio show, despite that, you think they're going to be better next They'll year. They'll be
7: better. I, I, I don't, Why? There's not a doubt in my mind. They'll be better. There's a better understanding of the defense. Uh, you know, there's more competition at every single level of the defense. I think we're we're going to be bigger and more athletic in the secondary. Our defensive line, now, what we do on the defensive line is different than almost anyone else. I mean, there's not a lot of people that move and shift and stem and slant and twist like we do. It takes a little bit for those guys to get it, to trust it, to believe in it, to be able to execute it quick and, and, and you know, uh, be 100% be in your gaps and know where to go and know how to trust your teammates to make plays. And now everyone is starting to feed into that. You believe in it? Look, it's the rankings are there. So there, it's just going to be uh, hammered home even more so throughout this off offseason. I mean, think about that. We made those jumps in a year where we didn't have a spring football. Yeah. We didn't have you know, summer, point. and I know nobody did, but we're still installing a defense. It takes a while for everyone to really have a grasp of a defense. We're still working on that. We made massive jumps. So I think we're going to be better lot by to be. some margin.
2: Wow. A lot to be excited about if you're a fan of Sooner defense. And my man is, by the way. We'll take a timeout. We're going to go to the classroom next in layman's term talking GT counter. You're watching the huddle.
4: We want to thank all of our Sooner Radio Network affiliates across the state and region. Fans can check out Soonersports.com for an affiliate in your area. And if you're traveling outside the state of Oklahoma, you can listen to all the action on either Sirius XM Radio or download the TuneIn app and listen free. OU's football games are available on Exidos 96.5 FM in Oklahoma City and 101.5 FM El Patron in Tulsa, as well as on those stations' websites. Each OU Spanish broadcast will feature a 30-minute pregame show and a 15-minute postgame show. Log on to SoonerSports.com slash kids for information about joining the Sooner Junior Kids Club presented by OG&E. Brought to you in part by Orthodontics exclusively.
2: You're watching the huddle. Welcome back, everybody. The reason that uh, Teddy Lehman, in my opinion, is the best color analyst in America is because he does a tremendous job of taking football concepts and explaining them to us laymen in terms that we can understand. So we thought this offseason, we would devote a segment just to that. We call it in layman's terms. Get it? It's clever. Uh, Last week, we learned about uh, that OU pass rush and why they were so successful last year. Let's talk a little offense tonight. And the GT counter has been a staple of Lincoln Riley's offenses since he arrived at OU. And so we thought we would let Teddy explain to you what that is and why they've done it so well, GT stands for guard tackle, by the way, and that's right. my, the extent of my knowledge. You take it from here. <laughs>
7: well, we call it the GT counter, and you hear that thrown around a lot. And it's uh, sometimes it's a counterplay, but what we're really talking about is the concept of the garden tackle pulling from one side of the football across the formation to the other side of the football. And we do it a bunch of different ways. In this video, you're going to see a whole bunch of different ways that we do it. Formations, personnel packages, but that's the concept we're talking about. Two pullers from one side of the ball going across to the other side of the ball and really running the football. It's a numbers game. We've heard that a lot. So Really what you're doing here is you're not just pulling two blockers around, you're pulling three gaps from one side of the ball, and inserting those three gaps to the other side of the ball. And the defense has to adjust and be able to fill those gaps. So one of the big keys, and you're going to see this a lot in this, in this clip whenever you're watching where the pullers come from, the whole key is to get two players in the same gap for an offense. And there's a bunch of different ways you can do it. There's a bunch of different ways you can block it. Double teams, combos, cutoffs, zone step reach, I mean, influence blocks. You're trying to get two guys on the defense in the same gap. That means a gap is open. So whenever you see these guys vacate, here's what we're seeing. We're trying to hold the backside player and make him defend nothing. Right, mm-hmm. And here you see Spencer Rattler showing you what happens if you uh, decide to, to crash and go try and be a part of the fit. We make you pay out the back end. But the whole key is to get two players in the same gap. Now, one of the things you'll see frequently is Oklahoma two, uh, pulled two pullers, but one of them is a tight end. And the reason there's a difference between the two is a tight end is an eligible receiver, And any time an eligible receiver moves, there's a defensive alignment that's attached to it. Mm -hmm. So whenever a a tight end comes across the formation, a safety or linebacker follows him across the formation. The difference with this scheme, whenever you're pulling two guys, is there's no one assigned to them. They're just gaps. So the defense has to figure out a way to adjust to the three new gaps on the opposite side of the ball, but still be able to cover all of the eligible receivers that's why it's so difficult because usually you're just following an eligible receiver to a new gap but now you've got to try and find a way to to create you know a, a, a solid defense without losing the eligible receiver now this is going to be one of my favorite views of it and I want to pause once whenever we get this thing going because what you're going to see is it's it's what I'm talking about two guys in the same gap freeze it as soon as they really start to pull around the formation Um, Let's see. Here we go. Right here. So you see two guys in the same gap on the backside. You have a back block by one, and two guys have vacated. So what you end up having is a guy that plays absolutely nothing. He's looking at the quarterback, but little does he know, the quarterback's not keeping the ball. It's going out the other side. So the quarterback's blocking him with his eyes from five yards away. So you've got two players in the same gap, which means, automatically you're going to be shorthanded on the other side no matter what defense you're in. It does not matter. You could be a gap sound, run-stopping defense, but you've already got two players in the same gap, which means you're going to be short on the front side. That's why you see a lot of these explosive plays is because it's a unique way to get two players in one gap and massively outnumber the defense. And, you know, and what I like about Lincoln is you build off of it. You run play action. We'll see two pullers, and they're trying to adjust it. They're trying to get to the other side of the formation because you've now, like I said, you've taken three gaps and moved it to the other side. It's a panic. We're outnumbered. We've got to get over there. (laughs) And they hit you on a crosser in behind, right? So that's why it's so difficult. And that's the difference between a traditional uh, power play, which is a guard and a fullback or a a traditional counter, which is a guard and a fullback or a tight end, is that guy is bringing an eligible receiver over with him. And that, in turn, makes it easy for a defender to come across. When there's not an eligible and you're changing three gaps, that's where it becomes difficult, and it makes it really easy for the offense to accomplish the task of getting two guys in one gap.
2: And, folks, you've seen it. With Samaj P. Ryan, Joe Mixon, Rodney Anderson, Kennedy Brooks, Trey Sermon, Ramondre Stevenson, T.J. Pledger here. It takes some patience mm-hmm. by the running back, right, to let those big guys get around where they need to be. That's right. That's why Kennedy Brooks has been so so good. Very patient runner. He waits, lets the back set up. It takes some patience, but boy, they have really used it successfully.
7: They have, and Lincoln does a great job of expanding on it you know you you give a lot of the stuff looks the same yeah. but it's it's a different personnel package it's we know how they line up to this grouping so we're going to show them that grouping and and block it a certain way and you know offenses you know that's not unique to Oklahoma that's the whole game of offense is trying to dictate what the defense does and we do a really good job with it and this play makes it happen now you know, offensively, because I always look at everything from the defensive side. So I, I look at gaps and the way it creates gaps. But offensively, you've got to have um, you've got to have guys that are capable of doing it. You got to have an athletic quarterback mm-hmm. where teams have to keep someone back, right? You got to have a, a, a guy that's doing the back block and sealing the backside like a Creed Humphrey that won't let people cross their face. And you know, there's ways to stop it defensively, but just like anything in defense. You've got to give up something in order to stop it. And Lincoln is a master at finding what it is that you're going to give up in order to stop it.
2: I love it. It's my new favorite segment on the show. There'll be a quiz on Twitter afterwards (laughs) on the GT counter. We'll take a timeout. Final segment, we go by the numbers here at uh, Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue when we come back.
4: Thank you to our cornerstone television partners, OU Health. Anheuser-Busch, and the OU College of Professional and Continuing Studies. And our community partners, Landers Auto Group, Coca-Cola, and OU Health.
2: All right, welcome back, everybody. Don't forget, we got uh, Lon Kruger and Sherry Cole coming up next hour. We're talking suitor basketball. Both teams coming off midweek wins. That'll be fun. I got so wrapped up in layman's terms, I forgot to tell you. Layman's terms brought to you by Kincaid Coach, the official motor coach carrier of OU Athletics. Go to kincaidcoach.com. For more information, also, you saw the schedule out off the top of the show, the non-conference schedule. You can experience OU football live in 2021. Season tickets are on sale now and include six home games featuring opponents, Iowa State and Nebraska. For more information, visit SoonerSports.com or call 405-325-2424. We started our new Out-of-season contest head-to-head after I rolled to a victory in the picks contest during the season. We call it By the Numbers. We started that last week and tied 2-2. to So let's take a look at what our uh, producer, Kurt, has for us tonight. Four questions coming our way. Whoever gets closer gets the point. Our first By the Numbers question tonight. What is the current program record for total offense in a single game? Total yards in a single game, Teddy. Uh, You know, off the top of my head. The Texas Tech game comes to mind, and that was eight fifty-four. Okay, thank you for telling me that. Uh, I was going to say eight something. I can't. Was there a bigger one than that? I mean, it's got to be in the neighborhood there.
7: <sighs> it's got to be in the neighborhood. That would be my answer, eight fifty-four. But
2: <sighs> I'll go eight. Know. I'll go eight fifty-five, just in case we had one bigger. I'll do the prices right That's thing. That's You're going eight fifty-four. Yeah, eight fifty-five for me. And the answer is. Program record for total offense in a game, 875 against Colorado in 1980. Ouch. What a
7: brutal day. I have a feeling that had about 85 runs, you know.
2: (laughs) In 1980, (laughs) you think we ran the ball a little bit. Yeah. All right. So that point goes to to me.
7: I shouldn't have blurted that out. I forgot the style of play here. Not smart by me.
2: Question number two. By the numbers, what is the current program record for the most – team sacks in a single game sacks in a game um well I'll, I'll i know we had was it 10 last year or two years ago against texas okay uh that's a big number i feel like that might have been the record so i'll say 10
7: i'm gonna say 11 11 <laughs> I guess we could do half sacks. I'll say 10 and a half. 10 and a half? 10 and a half
2: sacks. I've got 10. Teddy's got 10 and a half. And the answer is program record sacks in a game. Nine. Oh, I thought we had 10. We must have had eight against uh, or eight or nine against. Oh, that's nine against Texas, too. Huh. So that's me again. I'm closer. Okay. Wow. 2-0. Nicely Uh, done. Here we go. Question number three, by the numbers. How far was the longest successful field goal in program history? I'll let you guess first on this one. That's a good question. Now, this year, Gabe Burkich had a 54-yarder, I believe, uh, was his longest. That's got to be up there. But I would guess that's not the record, I wouldn't think.
7: I'm going to take – I'm going to take 57.
2: Boy, we've had some good kickers at OU. We've had some good kickers.
7: Actually, I'm I'm going to take 56.
2: 56. Um, I remember when Burkich kicked the 54-yarder. Stats Kelly, I remember hit me with something about you know the rec- That's not the record. Like we had one bigger. I'm going to go 58. You got 56. I'm going 57. I'll go 58. I couldn't tell you who it was. 57. I f- it wasn't Von Schaman. Let's see. Let's see what the record is. I'll go 58. Record is 60. What? Yeah, that's right. Tony DiRienzo. I remember Stats Kelly saying Tony DiRienzo has it back in 1973. Oh, it's another win. I, I, you I'm really need go this one. i back and
7: check this one, by the way. 60 yards? 60 wow. yard
2: field goal by DiRienzo. Oh. All right, our final by the numbers tonight. This is for the clean sweep, folks. What is the current program record for most passing yards in a season? Wow. Passing yards in a season, program record. I mean, we've got to be recent history here because yeah. we didn't throw the ball as much as we do now. I mean, I would think probably Landry Jones might have this record. Probably so. Probably. Am I so. guessing first <laughs> on this one? Yeah. I think I'm so. gonna say. Uh, I'm gonna say. Five thousand. I don't. Oh gosh. That seems high. Can I change my answer? Sure. I'm going to say 4,900.
7: I'm going to go, I don't know if Landry ever, I'm going to say... 48.99. Forty-eight ninety-nine. I think it's a little <laughs> under that. I'm, I'm trying to
2: think if he threw for five thousand. I don't yeah, think, think we'd remember did. that if he did. Yeah. I don't think he ever did. Forty-seven twenty by Sam Bradford in two thousand and eight. Nice. That's a win for you. Nice. You so gave congratulations. That I you that. Uh, you <laughs> salvaged one at the end. That makes our overall record on buy the numbers this year. Five to three. Hey, if you missed any portion of tonight's show, you can always catch it on demand via our Sooner Sports podcast. Chris Plank does a great job on those, by the way. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Nicely done tonight, Butkus.
5: Appreciate it. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Uh, I mean, we'll have the post-game show tonight as soon as things wrap up between Oklahoma and Alabama. I say tonight, it should be this afternoon. So it will be a busy day on the Sooner Sports Podcast. And then we're back with a full week. We're going to celebrate 40 years of the women's gymnastics program on Monday. We're going to have the, the game plan. will be back in its regular spot next week. So we've got a huge week ahead on the Sooner Sports Podcast. Until then, enjoy OU Alabama. Thanks for downloading and Boomer Sooner, everybody. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented
4: by Riverwind. Home to a luxury hotel, fine dining, and never-ending rewards. Riverwind is still the one. And Allstate. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield IMG College presentation of the Sooner Sports Network.